podcast. It's Saturday. It's July 6th. Uh, we had a nice Friday night. We had another one of our users take down a pretty big contest on FanDuel. Um, today we have a couple of special guests here. We're going, uh, we're going with our first three-way. Um, we have Mark Paquette, our meteorologist on site. And we also got John, MLB Moving Average on Twitter, um, who's a professional sports better, handicapper, John, welcome to the show. Mark, same thing for you. You're, you know, you're an everyday guest now. But John, welcome to the show. How you doing, bud? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. It's cool. All right. So we're gonna break down this Saturday slate. It's broken down into, you know, a couple of different slates. We're gonna give you everything that we got. Um, so we're gonna start in the first game in Minnesota. Minnesota kind of broke out. You know, they were listed as one of our favorite stacks on Win Daily. You know, on our cheat sheet, and I think they come up again as one of the best stacks of the day. We got Jesse Chavez versus Pineda. Um, not going to really look to attack either of these pitchers. Chavez and Pineda are okay, but I don't want to attack either of these lineups, uh, especially, you know, Minnesota coming over a monster game on Friday night. Um, I think all Minnesota's in play from a hitting standpoint. Kepler, Polanco had a good game. Cruz is always in play. Crone, pretty much, you know, you have some value here too with guys like Ariz, you know, starting to hit well at $2,600 on FanDuel. And on the backside of things, Pineda has been better. He's not going to last too long, and you got some power lefties in here um, that are all, you know, Odor can be approachable, Gallo for sure, Mazzara, Chu. Um, how do you guys see this game breaking out? Mark, you first. All right. Well, first thing you got to do is Cruz came out of the game last night from an injury, a heel injury. He may not play today. Always, we are obviously always looking at lineups when it comes to DFS. Well, let's see if he's in the lineup or not and who takes his spot. Like you said, they have plenty of hitting options, even without Cruz up and down that lineup. Um, you mentioned Pineda. He was one of the guys I wrote up in my pitching article today. I, uh, I remember talking to you maybe three, four weeks ago when he first came off the injured list and how I liked him, how he was looking better. And since coming off the injured list, he has a 25 to four strikeout to walk ratio. The issue with him is going deep in games, as you mentioned. Um, so I think Pineda is in play. I think I'm going to especially if I'm playing the all-day slate, I'm just going to go max and forget about it. But we can talk about that later. What do you think, John? Um, man, when I see these these two teams, even with, uh, you know, uh, I did run this this game through the algo today. So, you know, Texas has been cold. So you could probably go after them, like Jason said. But I'm, I'm really not the biggest Pineda fan. You know, if we're looking whole slate, I'm really looking for just those few – Top, top picks. Uh, I am with Jason on the Minnesota offense. They had a little valley maybe a couple weeks ago. You know, it was, they were too hot to last like that all season. And uh, now they're really, you know, back at it. If you see Minnesota at home, especially against the righty when they're swinging the bat, I mean, these guys are just killing. I like to look at plate appearance samples, you know, and everything across the board is money. Uh, 300 average, almost a 900 OPS. Over 240 ISO, 360 Wobo, 125 WRC Plus. So across the board, the Twins are a, are a definite play. Um, you know, I, I like I like to target the back ends of these teams for stacks. Sometimes that's where I find my va- my value. You know, was looking for the six, seven, eight, nine guys on squads like this. So I think Minnesota's in play, even though Chavez has been good. I'm not totally sold on him. You know, I think they can get to him. The Texas bullpen isn't that great, and they're not as good away from Arlington. So I think the Minnesota bats are on deck uh, for sure today. Yeah, I think they're I think they're a strong play of this early slate. Um, he's the pitcher. Like you said, Chavez has been better, but Minnesota is better than Chavez is. 
Um, we got an interesting, you know, little matchup here. We got Andrew Kashner, Clayton Richard playing in Toronto. A lot of people loaded up on this Baltimore-Toronto game yesterday. Um, people attacked Bundy. Um, people were trying to attack Sanchez. Didn't really work out on either side. It was a lower-scoring game, not too much power. But, you know, we're right back at it. We got to take recency bias out of it. I don't see myself looking to target either of these pitchers again. Um, I think the bats are going to be where you want to, you know, go here. But, you know, there, there might be better spots. But on the early slate, I'm not the all-day type of type of guy. You know, I like to just, you know, pick a slate and, and work off that slate. I don't know if this is going to be the game to attack. But I do like some of these cheap, you know, righties from Baltimore. A guy like Nunez is in play. Um, Alberto's in play. There's a lot of cheap bats here. So if you need a one-off for value, you know, I don't mind some of these Baltimore players. And on the backside of things, you know, we got to, you know, forget what happened yesterday with Toronto. Guys like Smoke, Telez, Jansen, there's value here. Biggio's been swinging a really hot bat. Um, what does the algo say on, on this game for the over here? Do you like the bats here or is it a stay-away spot, John? Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny you mention that because I, uh, I have – I'm really just starting. It's still kind of early today, but I did get through. You know, I started from the first uh, from the first games, and I, I have Baltimore ringing like crazy. You know, it's a great spot for value, like you said. They also to circle back before with the Twins, they might make a good complement if you want to pay up for the front of the Minnesota lineup. You may be able to complement that uh, with the back of the Baltimore lineup and really get Stubbly all the way across. Um, let me let me just give you a, a, a quick look. What what um, brought up the ring uh, last we're talking about, let's say 160 PAs versus left-handed pitching, man. The Orioles have had streaks where they just, they just wreck with left-handed pitching uh, 350 on base, 500 slug over 800 OPS over 215. ISO, yeah. I think Baltimore over, and Baltimore. Yeah. This is Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore's match. cheap as well. You know, they're, yeah, that's they're what I'm cheap. Saying. You so. To be honest, you may be able to get the front end of both of those lineups. I haven't mashed out the salary cap yet. I usually do that last. But you might, if, if what you're saying is true, you might be able to get the front of Minnesota and the front of Baltimore on this. I think people automatically overlook Baltimore. And I think whenever they're facing a left-handed pitching, especially a time like this, when they're hot, that's a definite spot to go get it. Richard has been terrible. you know. Yeah. So that's definitely a place I'm looking to get. I may even look for that as a bet today. Yeah, I think, you know, you know, um, Mark said it. It's it's going to come down to Max. You know, even Voth kind of hung in there yesterday against KC. The game kind of erupted late. Um, so don't look at box scores. But we got Mad Max going against KC at home. This is a smash spot. For this early slate, it doesn't get any better than this. I think in your cash games, you lock it up and you just kind of find a way to, you know, make things happen here. Um in the early slate, there's only two games in the early, early slate. And then you got this, you know, you got this Washington game that starts the, the mid slate, the real slate. I wouldn't go heavily invested in this first two game slate. There's got going to be a lot of ownership um, that matches up. I'm not a big fan of the, the regular, you know, the all main slate. But when you get in that four o'clock slate, this is a nice slate to attack. There, there are six games here. And I think Mad Max, you know, leads it by a long way. And you just lock them up in cash and. For the most part, I feel totally safe locking him up in GPPs and working around there, too, because he's a beast. He's going to go out there and, and again, drop, you know, 50, 60 points, um, maybe 45 on a low end. I don't really like anybody else, you know, on this early slate. 
too much. So I'm going to find a way to grab him and find a way to kind of work around that. On the backside of things here, Sparkman has been better than people think, but, you know, he's still a guy to attack. Mark, I know you love Max. Um, Sparkman got lit up in Toronto and Cleveland in his last start. Do you like these Washington bats to go with Max? Yeah, I do like the Washington bats, but let me uh, talk about one other thing. As I've been wrote in the weather blog, the pitching and been tweeting, maybe the only thing that can stop Max right now is the weather. And we do have thunderstorms in the forecast for D.C. this afternoon. It's all about when they move in. If it, they move in in the seventh or eighth inning, Max has probably done his damage and got his 50 to 60 fantasy points, like you said. If it's earlier than that, I mean, in the delay lasts long enough, you know, that that could be what stops Max. So that's something to pay close attention to. Yeah, the weather's been back and forth the last couple of days. It got me off a little bit of Tehran chairs last night. And it's been, it's been, we had like a week of clear weather and then it kind of rotated back out. So make sure you follow, you know, our weather blog on winddailydfs.com. Uh, Mark is in there. He's in our premium Slack channel, Slack channel, trying to prevent disasters from happening. You know, it's tough with this weather. It's tough with starters. Sometimes just proceed with caution uh, like I did last night. I, I took a couple shares off Tehran just to, just to play it safe because there was some weather concerns there. The delay hit a little bit later, so he got through with six innings. But it's better safe than sorry sometimes. You never want to take a zero. So make sure you follow him on Twitter. You know, follow him on our site, in our weather blog, in our Slack channel. You know, it's a big thing um, to protect yourself against. So we got to check the weather. It's a 4 o'clock game. We're, we're doing this at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning, so it's a tough thing to do here. Obviously, you know, from a betting standpoint, just to intro John back into this, he's our professional handicapper. Um, he's been making runs of nine straight, 10 straight, and it's not just touting. It's, it's factual. You can go back and check his time logs on Twitter. Um, I'm assuming this is a great game to bet on. Um, Max is most likely going to win the game. Are you willing to pay the VIG on this or, no. you know, no. No, way too yeah, happy, yeah. right? What is that? I didn't yeah, even look well, at well, what it's like. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Um, I, I, I don't want to, just off the top of my head, this is by far the heaviest juice of the whole season. I got minus 425. 420, nice. You can't wow. pay that for it. You can't <laughs> wow. pay that for it for 425. So there's always two ways to attack it, just from a strategic point of view, just really quickly for people getting into it. Man, I hate to go after the run line because I always consider needing a two-run win is kind of greedy. But listen, if that's where you're at, then that's fine. I'll be honest. Everything, all the work I have has this as more than a two-run total. I got, I have a 7-3 to three implied team total final score today. Now, those implied team totals, remember, they, they're based off averages, so a 7 is incredibly high and a 3 is incredibly low. Uh, the ORC, PRA stats that I developed are also just off the charts slanted in Washington's favor this way. They hit it home. Max pitches at home. Sparkman hasn't been great. The Royals are not hitting. The Royals are not hitting on the road. The Royals are not hitting righty. So I could see maybe taking the 185. Sometimes I just like to pack it maybe with another favorite or two. You know, throughout the day. Again, I haven't gotten all the way through the slate. So, Nats as a win is definitely, you know, on the docket. Nats by one and a half for 185 is definitely on the docket. But I think as I get through, if I could find one more heavy freight, I like to play them together. Because, you know what? Anything can happen in baseball. Chasing your, you talk about the variance. You couldn't be more right. You don't want to lose 425 chasing 100 bucks on a on a 
Washington bullpen meltdown. And that's the fact of the matter is their bullpen's terrible. So it can definitely I, I'm not no sure. I'm not paying. You know, I'm not, yeah, I don't, I'm not. I'm not a fan. I was. It was more of a joke. I wanted to see what the line was. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, lay four hundred. Yeah, if you want to parlay it with a couple games, but there's definitely better ways. We're always looking DFS and sports betting and pretty much anything in life. You're looking for value. Right. You know, if, if you're trying to find a wife, you want somebody that looks better than you and, and is a better person than you. So, same thing in gambling. You know, when you're looking at lines, yeah, we can play the favorites, but why chase something like that when we can get something that we think. You know, at the end of the day, it's a coin flip. One team's going to win, one team's going to lose. So why not try to find a team that's got a slight edge at minus 130 or minus 140 or even minus 180 instead of paying 420 and, and risking all that in case of a bullpen meltdown? Uh, we have an interesting game, Milwaukee-Pittsburgh. You know, I really hope um, you ran it, the algo on this one. But if not, we'll delay yeah, you. Right. Go to Mark. Yeah, we'll go to Mark first here. Um, Josh Bell, I would think, is probably one of the top plays of this early slate. Um, he's getting a great matchup here, but you have to pay up for him. Um, Hauser has been bad. Um, I'm not too sure about, you know, uh, pitching him. You know, there's no way. He's not lasting long in games. It's going to be probably more of a, a Milwaukee bullpen game. His last start, he lasted five. But other than that, he's more of a bullpen arm going two, three innings um, at a time. So he's off the docket. You can't pitch him. But we got to see if we can attack him. And on the backside of the thing, this guy, Dario Agrizal, I haven't seen him pitch live yet. He went into Houston and only let up one earned run in six innings. And then he had a decent start against Miami, you know, two earned runs in four innings. So guys I can't pitch, but guys I got to think about stacking against. Because, you know, me and John have been talking about Milwaukee, you know, as of late. And we attacked Sonny Gray against him the other day when he was like under 10% owned. And we just cruised to victory. Um, Milwaukee's been cooling off, so I'm not pitching any of these guys. I think they're probably two of the worst pitchers on the slate. Uh, Josh Bell's been in play all year. Um, he's going to be under on again due to his price, but I don't know about a full stack here. What do you guys think? Mark first. Okay, a couple things. I'd be interested to hear John's take about Milwaukee's offense. We had talked, you and I, Jason, in previous podcasts, how we are basically never going to use a pitcher against them uh, just because of how deep they are, much like an American League team. All of a sudden, the last three weeks, they're ice cold. you got to wonder what's going on here and when do you attack them and how long do you attack them for? Because you nailed it saying that Sonny Gray call was terrific. It looked great. Um, other things, weather issues again here. This is a likely delay at some point in the game. And... John, maybe uh, me and him can work together in the future. When there is a delay in the game, especially early in the you got to get the bullpens involved earlier than you want, we should look at some totals and see if the totals go up. Because, I mean, players are in the bullpen for a reason. They're not as good as their starters. And if you get to a bullpen early, you're likely to see more runs than uh, you would uh, if you didn't. And the last thing, uh, circling back to Max, I was looking at my weather models. Don't fade Max because of the weather right now. Uh, it looks like it should hold off. But let's concentrate on that Milwaukee-Pittsburgh game. Go ahead, John. What do you think? Well, Mark, you, you pack a lot of good stuff into a short amount of time. Um, and I have to thank you guys because I have to admit, you know, I always self-audit. And weather was a blind spot for me. And especially with this ball, if you find days where there's a lot of rain on the coast, you see the scores are down. When... It's really hot. You're seeing the scores are up. So, you know, I've really been using Mark's tools 
every single day before I make any moves, first of all. So even the people that are doing it every day, you know, he's helping the content creators. Um, as far as Mil Milwaukee and Pittsburgh, you know, Mark, I think I actually have a an answer to the question that I, I hope wasn't rhetorical and I kind of look stupid for answering is, no, it, it was listen, Milwaukee question. is a heavily yeah. split, you know, yeah, I don't want to say split it. I don't know if that's if that word's applicable here, but like they're, they are prey to the split. So uh, Milwaukee has been awful on the road. Milwaukee has been awful versus right-handed pitching. Milwaukee's very good at home, and they're pretty good against left-handed pitching. So I would say, you know, against a right-hander on the road, we're going to go after them. Against a left-hander on the road, we're going to fade. That was yesterday, and they hit the ball. And wait, wait, John, you just, John, let me just, at first I thought I heard they're, they're bad on the road. I heard that part. I think that's confirmed. But you said they're, they're good against righties or they're good against no, no, left? No, no, the, the Brewers have been terrible against righties. So okay, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought you said. On the road versus a righty, i.e. Sonny Gray, we attack. Yeah. If we catch them on the road versus a lefty, i.e. Stephen Brault yesterday, we would fade. And look, they hit. And we never are going to face the Brewers in Miller ever. Yeah. You don't face the Rockets in Colorado. You don't face the Brewers at Miller. You, I mean, there's just some splits, whether it's home away or righty-lefty, that you just don't go after. You don't feed the Angels left-handed pitching. You know, there's just some, you know, situations that we just auto-feed. So yeah, and I, I think, think you make a good. I think you make a great point. And just you know, I'm an experienced player. I've been playing for a long time. And if you told me blindly without looking at the stats, what would be you know, I would definitely say, all right, Milwaukee definitely hits better at home. Miller Park, totally understand that. But if you tell me, do they hit better versus righties or lefties? My first instinct would be, okay, they got Yelich, Grandal, Mustakis, um, Travis Shaw when he was in the lineup. I would have thought they'd be better against righties, but you know, because they only have Kane and Braun really. And Aguiar, who's been, you know, going on and off. And with Thames being a lefty, I would have thought they hit better versus righties. But that's why, you know, you can't just go by the eye test. you got to look at the stats behind it. And, and Can I great give point. you a little context for that, Jay? Yeah, go just for it. Because I'm looking at it. Okay. We're talking the last 350 plate appearances against right-handed pitching. 350 plate appearances. We're getting to about 55 to 60% of an entire season for a single player. Okay. Triple slash. 206, 299, 389, atrocious. 688 OPS, atrocious. 180 ISO, atrocious. 291 WOBA, atrocious. 75 WRC plus, atrocious. These are terrible, 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 terrible numbers. I mean, this is a player that would be batting eighth on a National League team. You know, this is like a backup catcher. And now we're talking about the Brewers as a whole, you know, over a half of an individual season's worth of that's plate crazy. appearances. You know, you that's crazy with Yelich, Moustakis, Teams, Shaw, and, and Grandal. Unbelievable, right? But the stats the are what they are. Side. You know, it's, it's shocking to me. Yeah, the stats are what they are. That's the truth, man. That's why you got to look at the stats and, and, you know, trust people like John and trust the numbers behind, you know, our projection models take all this into account. So there's a reason why they're going to they're gonna poke some of these guys down on a, on a, on a slate like today. Let's get into this next game. Um, we got Cleveland and Cincinnati here. Shane Beaver versus DeScalfani. I love the target hitters in Cincinnati, but I don't know if I can do it today because DeScalfani's been good. Beaver's been good, almost great, I guess. Um, and both these lineups are pretty trashy. Um, Cleveland has been disappointing me all year long. You know, I made a pledge to myself last time. That I'm gonna try my best to stay away. Listen, if they if they blow me up once every month, 
um, until they really start hitting again. And maybe, John, you can back it up with the stats. But my eye test and my bank account on days I, I stack these Indians don't pay out. So I'm going to stay away here. Um, like I said, these Scott Fanny's been better. But I think it's an avoid spot just due to the due to the matchup in that park to pitch Bieber at 10-8 when Scherzer's 12-4. I'll find a way to get him. And Dee Scott Fanny is not bad enough to grab these Indian bats. So for me, it's a total fade spot on all, you know, all angles, unless you want to grab a one-off here that's cheap, that, you know, kind of rounds out your lineup. But if you guys have any points here, you know, jump right in. Um, slight weather concern again. Um, I, I can't agree with you more about Cleveland, Jason. I think it was last Saturday, a week ago, that they were in a smash spot against Baltimore, and I think they got beat 13 and nothing. Yep. They've been, been disappointing people all season long, and their lineup just isn't that good. Yeah, John, you want to you want to throw any stats in there? Because yes. my eye, Mark's eye yeah, test has Cleveland. I am, I am ever. Ever the contrarian, man. You know, that's what I do, right? I strip the names. I strip the jerseys. I strip the numbers. I strip the names, and I and I just go at it. Um, now, it's funny. I don't want to disagree with you. No, I want you to, I man. do agree D- Disagree. If the numbers say disagree, disagree. That's why you're on the well, show. That's well, why we're having it's, three it's ways. Funny, and this is what we get into and why I why I produce the ORCPRA because it's it's really a battle of two stats, right? You have your – it's hitting stats versus pitching stats. It's not a single – you know, it's just not a single phase, right? It's not a golfer competing against himself. It's teams against teams. So the reason I would agree and would fade is because both pitchers are in their strong split, right? So, you know, Bieber is much better at home. You know, we're talking he, – his, his WOBA allowed is sub-260, 3-3 ERA, less than a 200 batting average allowed. That's on the road. He's been really, really good. I don't want no part of that. Discofani, same thing. His strong split is at home. And more recently, since, like, let's say June 1st, it's probably been three or four starts. We're talking three ERA and really strong numbers all the way across the board, more than a strikeout in inning. He cut down the walks. The on-base is really low, hovering just above 300. So he's been, he's been really good also. So that's where I do agree. I don't want really any part of – you know, stacking here. I would disagree with Cleveland, man. I love Cleveland. Cleveland's got, you know, smoke coming out of my computer. I, I, they're, they're, they're killing, you know. Let's go, let's look, uh, right-handed pitching. Right-handed pitching, last 270 PAs. I hate to break it to you. The Indians are putting up all-star numbers right now. Uh, triple slash, 311, 365, 515. That's an 879 OPS. 200 ISO, which is fantastic. You know, anything over 200 is considered very good. That's a one out of five uh, extra base hits, right? You're getting an extra base hit one out of every five PAs. Uh, 367 team Woba. I mean, that's literally off the charts. 127 WRC plus, also off the charts. They are in the 4040 club. The new 4040 club for me, for analysts, is 40% hard hit rate, 40% fly balls. Give me those in the great American ballpark in Cincinnati, man. I'm loving it. You know, so seeing Cincinnati versus a righty in uh, – seeing I'm sorry, seeing Cleveland versus a righty in Cincinnati is definitely something I want to target. It's probably just not today. Great, yeah, great so, points. I love that. So what bats would you be looking at? You'd be looking at like – I'll, I'll tell you the bats. You know, yeah, if it Jason, comes down go, to go, go. I'll tell you the bats. If you want the bats, it's going to be Lindor – it's going to be Bowers, uh, who's got a hard hit rate, and yeah. he's a lefty, and he's cheap. He's 2,600. Um, and then you can always throw Ramirez in there, and then Kipnis is the guy you probably want in Santana. 
Um, I think J-Ram is a perfect example. Listen, this is a guy, he was going third, fourth overall in fantasy drafts, and now he's basically a, a steals guy. He's like a better version of Billy Hamilton. If this guy finds the power stroke, let's not you know dismiss 38-40 homers, whatever he's capable of. He's coming off two home runs on July 4th. Uh, maybe he's figured something out. He's starting to get a little bit hotter. So, listen, in a stack, I'd probably – but here's the tough thing. We're, we're going to play Max. We're telling everybody to play Max. So, I think they're better as a one-off, you know, with a guy like Bowers at 2,600. Ramirez, 3,600, getting a little bit pricey again. Kipnis, 3,000. Kipnis is probably my favorite guy here. So, maybe like a mini stack of Kipnis, um, Bowers. And you can always try to slide in a guy like Tyler Naquin at 2.8. You know, it's affordable. This guy, Bradley, that keeps on popping up in the models. Um, he's min-salary pretty much every day, but he can't hit. You know, I know he's supposed yeah, he to be strikes a stud. out a lot, man. He's supposed to be a stud, but he's hitting one 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 on average. Yeah. Oh, I know we don't look at average, but when he it's that bad, man, you know, there's a lot of over threes, over fours. So I'm gonna stay away from him. He's due for a hit, but it would have to be a home run here. So you know, this early slate, you gotta have to find a team. I think more people will be on, you know, the Washington game, more people will be on Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, more people have that sour taste in their mouth like I do. Um, and more people will definitely be in this Boston game. You got Porcello going into Detroit. I lost a couple bets against Mark um, with this Porcello guy. Um, he, <laughs> He's a tough guy to pin down. Yeah, he, he got me one day, and he went out there. I, I bet Mark uh, a friendly wager, and he went out there, and I think he had like a seven innings, 8K game, something ridiculous, um, but it happened. But now we got Boston, you know, Facing Zimmerman, this is a smash spot. You know, I'm assuming the, the numbers are going to back me up here. Um, and you want these Boston bats. And Porcello is kind of interesting. You know, I think if you if you, if you you want a guy to, to fade Max with, I think Porcello for value and the win and potential at a quality start, if Max does not go out there and grab you 55-60 and he has one of his mediocre games like at 45, then a guy like Porcello, who hits 35-40 with the win, is probably the best value on this early slate for me. You know, I don't really like to go with Snell versus the Yankees, even though I love Snell. I think he's going to have a strong second half. Um, I don't like Bieber at 10-8. I think Porcello is your best value of the slate. So if you're going to fade Max and you want to load up on bats, I like Porcello a lot at this price tag. Guys, chime in. I know Mark loves these Boston players. So tell me about Porcello. John, you tell me about... How do we want to attack Zimmerman? Yeah, you start, John. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I, I, I think this is going to be really high scoring. And I, I, I think I got a pin for that Porcello bubble today. Man, he, he's, he has not been good, right? So this is his weak split. It's a plus 5 ERA. It's a plus 350 team Woba. It's an almost 300. Average allowed. It's an above 330 on base allowed. And he's allowing 500 slugging. So his OPS against is about 850. That's not what we're looking for. Since June 1st, 30 innings, just as bad. 6.5 ERA, 300 average allowed, almost 500 slugging, 340 Woba allowed. So the splits are not there for Porcello. So if we wanted him, we would need a weak Tiger offense. Do we have a weak Tiger offense? The answer is no. Let's talk about the last 175 plate appearances. The Tigers are killing right-handed pitching. You know, what's funny. It's, again, statistics break narratives. That's what they do. If I, I told think... you, you know, which team is this? 284, 344, 459, 800 OPS, 341 Woba, 
113 WRC plus. That's not the Red Sox. That's the Tigers. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I'm gonna rule out this Yankee game. I don't know what the hell happened in London. I, I now I'm probably <laughs> gonna be a conspiracy theorist, and I think they probably juice up the ball just to get these, you know, London fans to like baseball after a hundred years of not Wait, so, like baseball. Let, so let me just finish up. This is, and yeah. it, it, it's funny because, uh, and and I think this is really interesting for people listening is. Uh, uh, probably like a difference in, in roster construction. Like when people ask me, whether it's Slack or Twitter or in person, who do you like? You know, a lot of times, man, I really don't have a name. A name. So, like, I see the Tigers. I see the Tigers hitting right-handed pitching. I know it's an AL lineup that has the circular motion. Man, they're going to be cheap. I kind of look at it as I'm going to be targeting 6, 7, 8, 9 on the Tigers. Maybe 7, 8, 9. They might complement a... Twins, they might compliment a Red Sox. They might compliment a, a Yankees team where, you know, we can get a five and four two team stack going and, and you know and have mostly good hitters. Again, I'm saying Detroit six, seven, eight at the price they go for, we might get four, five, six or five, six, seven as well. Let me yeah. uh, say the names that would probably be there would be Brandon Candelario. Christian Stewart. Dixon and Stewart have power from the left side and that seems to play well. Against Porcello. To answer your question, I watched a lot of those games in London. That field was a little league field. It was really ridiculous how small it was. And yeah, Porcello had no chance against the Yankees. It was it was brutal to watch as a Yeah, I would not man. count that start for anything. Yeah. That start that was, is yeah, there's nobody nobody really had a chance there. Yeah. No. No, you saw Erod pitch well yeah. on Sunday. But uh normal day. He uh, would probably, but then they got into the bullpen, and it, it was just a home run derby. It was pretty crazy. It wasn't Major League Baseball, those two games. Yeah, I agree. That was a joke. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, interesting take. You know, I think I think Porcello can go either way. He's been up and down. You know, I betted against him the other day against Mark. I'm kind of at a coin flip here. You know, the stats are saying Detroit is in play. I never really attack with Detroit bats. I think the numbers also can say Porcello is a good value at 7,600. I think, you know, in your max lineups, um, you need value. You know, look to these Detroit bats to maybe pair up with Boston or Cleveland, like we said. And if you, you know, you want to go with a, a contrarian, contrarian, you know, kind of pick here, I think Porcello will get some ownership um, just due to the fact that he's really cheap and people see Detroit. So, I wouldn't mind going both ways here. If you multi-enter, maybe go with a, a Porcello line and then also go with a, a Detroit stack. Um, this next game, we have Blake Snell, who had a, he's coming off of a great start, went out there and struck out everybody he faced pretty much in his last start. Again, CC that I think for the most part is attackable on any given slate. Um, he's coming off a couple of good starts as well versus Toronto and Tampa, where he dropped 46 and 49. You know, I know John's a big Yankee fan here, so I'm going to let him talk about CC and what he sees in the stats and his eyes. Um, this is a tough game to peg. I'm probably going to just stay away and watch this game. You know, I really can't. I don't have the, the balls to pitch CC, and I really don't want to attack this Yankee lineup, even though it's Snell. I'll wait for his next pass to go ahead and attack. So this pretty much has a, a full fade for me on both sides. I think the pitchers are good enough that I want to attack these offenses. And then on the backside of things, you know, I don't want to really, you know, pitch these guys either. So um, it's a fade for me all around. John, you're a Yankee fan. What are the numbers? What do the eyes say with CC and oh, Snell? Oh, okay, for me, I really, it's it's pretty easy, you know. I mean, this is definitely an easy fade. 
as much as you might like the Yankees' offense, and it's not from a personal standpoint. You know, they're hitting everywhere against every pitcher. It's it's crazy. But Snell is really not the guy to go challenge. Listen, if you're in a dollar tournament and you want to have a Yankee stack, like, I can see that. But other than that, Snell has had a terrible history against the Yankees. They've eaten his lunch plenty of times. Or he's had games where he's dominated them. CC is is probably the pitcher with the biggest split, if not just today, maybe in the league. Just real quick, at home, 2-3-1 ERA. On the road, 6.3 ERA. I mean, he's a totally different pitcher on the road. Plus, the Rays don't really hit left-handed pitching. It's a weak split for them. It's also weak at home. I mean, just on the entire year, everything is below average. Below average Woba, below average uh, weighted runs created, uh, only a 240 average, only a 700 OPS, a 134 ISO. They're, it's not something they do well. So CC might get his five, six innings where he only gives up one or two. Where he might be okay. He might give up three. I'm just off this game. It's it's too it, it's too murky. Plus a division aspect. It, yeah, it's, it's it's way too hit or miss. It's an auto fade for me. Yeah, I think we stay away here and we, um, you know, just watch this game. It should be an interesting game to watch. Uh, we have a, another game here, Miami versus Atlanta. If you remember this guy, Caleb Smith, he came out in the first four games and, you know, lit the earth on fire and was just completely dominant. He was out pitching guys like Max and everybody else. He went to the IL uh, with a hip issue. Um, I believe this is his first start back um, in over a month now, so... Listen, if he if he was, you know, pitching at home versus a different lineup, you know, he'd be playable. Atlanta's been cooling off a little bit, at least for a day or two here. Uh, I don't really want to attack Caleb Smith here. He's been, you know, he was lights out to start. And Max Fried is, is, is kind of interesting. But, you know, at 8,600, I'd probably take the gamble on Porcello with an extra discount of 1,000. So, I hate to say it, but it looks like another stay-away spot because the pitching is just good enough not to stack them. Um, but I know Atlanta's going to pop as far as numbers go. They, they've they been smashing everybody. So who wins out here? Does Caleb Smith off the DL win out against these hot Atlanta bats, or is it just a, a stay-away spot now? I don't like this game personally. Let's see if John has any numbers to it. Yeah, it just feels like a game that – I have no interest in, yeah. John, well, I want to yeah, bring out uh, yeah, there's a couple things right off the bat. And I, I think what you're getting at, Jason, you shouldn't sound so so upset that it's like, oh, man, like this is a fade. Uh, to me, that's a great thing. Like identifying fades is, is perfect. Let other people have them. Man, I'm, I'm very iffy on pitchers coming off the IL, especially this year. It's, you know, I don't have any hard stats on it, but I know from watching everything under a microscope, it's been brutal. If you are subscribing to that working theory where you do attack pitches off the IL, this is a place you want to do it because Atlanta is they just kill left-handed pitching at home. It's it's like a video game. How about this? Last 30 days, it's just short of 100 plate appearances, which, listen, granted, it's not a great sample, but that doesn't take away the production. So it's about 100 plate appearances, 333 average, 444 on base, 621 slug. That's an above 1,000 OPS. The ISO is almost 300. The WOBA is over 425. The weighted run creation is 160. This yeah, I, knew is the, a I knew the MVP. numbers would be great. And I knew the numbers would be great for Atlanta. You That's don't really have to look MVP. at the stats. You just look at the box scores. You knew yeah, it was going to be I mean? great. It's just a it's a tough situation here with Caleb Smith. I think oh, it can he's play. Very, listen, he's very good. 
So again, that's what I mean where I think there's a very subjective element to this now, where if you are strictly on the numbers, right, Smith is also victim to the split. At home, sub-2 ERA, 220 Woba, sub-300 slug. The guy is a Cy Young pitcher at home. On the road, it's almost a 5 ERA. The slugging is over 500. The Woba is at 325. Really not great. Just an average pitcher on the road. So there is reason to get on these Braves, I think, you know, for sure, uh, especially in the offensive end. Yeah, I think the other thing to take into account, um, we're, we're leaning towards Max in his early slate. He's expensive as expensive can be for pitching. Yeah. Um, Freeman is 4,500 on Fandle, pretty much the top of the slate at first base. Um, Swanson, who's got a, he's day-to-day quadriceps here. He's expensive. He's today. Yeah, Kuna's expensive at 4,200. I think, you know, as a one-off, I think the safest guy to play in this lineup right now would be Josh Donaldson. He's got the platoon advantage. He's cheap. He's hitting in the middle of the lineup. Or, like I said, if you want to multi-enter, you go with, like, maybe four or five, six different lineups. I won't I won't hate Atlanta stack here because they, it's going to be hot in Atlanta. It's hot in Atlanta every day, and these, these Braves mesh lefties. So it makes a lot of sense. So we can always do it. It always makes sense to, to go ahead and do so. So just to get, like, a quick recap, at least from my opinion – um, of this early slate, the four o'clock games, I think you try your best to get Max in your lineup. If you can't do so, you know, we didn't speak about anybody outside of Max that, you know, anybody really likes. So I'm going to throw it out there and I'm going to take a chance. My best value play of the slate. And when I say value, it, it's Rick Porcello at seven, six, you get a pretty much a $5,000 discount to Scherzer. And if I was making lineups for this early slate, I would still pack in Scherzer to all my cash games. I wouldn't even think about anybody else. You just click the button and you figure out you're hitting. Uh, for GPPs, I would still go probably 70 to 80% Scherzer and then maybe, you know, 20% Porcello just taking a shot in the dark. And maybe if you want to get sneaky, you know, you go 10% Blake Snell and maybe like, you know, pick somebody else out. But I think Scherzer would be the heaviest owned pitcher for me. Porcello would be like 10, 20%. And then maybe take a shot at Snell and GPPs because he can go out there and get you 10Ks on any given night versus any given team. Um, and the game's in Tampa, which is a pitcher's park. Now, from a hitting what, about, aspect, what about free? We kind of passed over. You know, we, we looked at the offense in that game. All right. Miami's offense really isn't that good. So talk Don't, about free no. real quick. I, I do agree with you. We passed up on him. Um, Tehran went out there and had a great game or a good enough game. Freed's coming off three starts where he's been – you know, good. You're right. Talk about Freed. All right. I mean, Freed is is you know he's pretty he's pretty good. He's much better at home. He's a run and a half better as far as CRA. Um, at home and all the peripherals are are very very strong. You know, we're talking a three five FIP a three two seven X FIP at home. Those are really 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 strong numbers. The K minus walk percentage is around twenty. The WHIP is only one one five. It's it's definitely strong. He he's in control. And again, you know, it's a it's a it's a two pronged problem here. So we have some strong pitching that plus I believe he'll be getting run support, even though Smith has been pretty good. Like I said, I'm, I'm not crazy about him off the IL plus being on the road. Let's look at Miami on the road. Let's go a, a little wider lens. Four hundred and fifty plate appearances. Now we're getting to almost like a full season at this point. 
231, 284, 361, triple slash. Atrocious. 60, 646 OPS, only a 130 ISO, 276 WOBA, 69 WRC+. Hard hit rate is 38%. Only 27% of the balls are going in the air. I mean, they look terrible. They're striking out 27% of the time and walking less than 6% of the time. Yeah, to and me, then that's you, a... You, know, you look so at Vegas, a, too. A, a double-sided yeah, split advantage for Atlanta and for free both ways. So that means I like the Atlanta bats. And I, 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 it's really a great point when you bring up, like, who are we going to go? Now, I think it depends on lineup dependence, like you mentioned before, Jason. Are we going to get Camargo today and or, like, Cuthbert? You know, maybe we get one of those, a couple of those guys where we could get a, a, a cheap 5, 6, 7 or a cheap 6, 7, 8 stack to go with the big dogs in Boston or something like that. Yeah, I um, think you made I a like good point. Atlanta to win. And I like Atlanta bats, and I think Freed for me, he's the value play. I like Scherzer. You know what? Wow, uh, Jason, this is funny. I don't know if this is breaking. I'm looking at my DraftKings app. Max just got hit with the O tag. Well, no, that was uh, he was on the paternity list because. Okay, I'm sorry. Did. I'm sorry. I think oh, he's good. I just noticed that. So I would have Scherzer as an A. Yeah, Bieber is a fade. Snell's a fade. Savannah, a lot of these guys are covered. So, for me, it's Max. And if you're not going Max, I'm going Freed. And that's it in this early slate. Yeah, I think you make some good points. And Vegas stands behind you. Um, Freed's coming in as a minus 200 favorite. Woo! They got Miami projected at three and a half runs or, now, you know, that around that. a good pack from before. Maybe if, if, we, if we have betters out there. Because remember, these things do really um, – work like symbiotically you know they kind of work together and in accordance so maybe you pack the braves with the nationals you know yeah. and and that's a good that's a good uh betting stack and it kind of cuts down all that juice and you know what if one of them drops it i just count it as a loss man you know you don't you don't cry and you go get them tomorrow let's see I'm, i want to i want to see the odds on the two of these i'm looking at it I'm looking at it right now. So if you were to pack the two of them together, Braves and Nats, you're going to get them at, let's see, minus 122. Hey, that's Which not is, terrible. Two heavy good. favorites. You know? Yeah. So that's my greasy parlay for today. If anyone's looking early on, first take for me is is pack Atlanta with Washington uh, at minus 123. I like that bet. Um, so here's the thing. John made some really good points. And like I said, Vegas backs up John with the Max Fried call. He's minus 200 favorite. He comes in as a heavier favorite than Porcello. Um, lower line against, you know, the Tigers are going to, you know, looking at four and a half runs and the Marlins looking at three and a half runs. And the chances of a win, you know, is, is there for both of the guys. But you're going to pay up an extra thousand for Freed. But I like to play. So we'll throw him in the mix as well. So it, it's Max up top. And then we got Freed and Porcello, which are your two value places early slate. From a stack perspective, we like the Red Sox. Um, John is trying to convince us on these Braves. They make a lot of sense as well. So I think you can throw them in. And he made a really good point. You know, if Swanson is out, um, Carmargo could be in. He could be cheap. Um, Tyler Flowers will probably get the start as well versus lefty. So he'll be cheap as well. You got a couple spots there. You know, and then on these, you know, the Red Sox lineup, you got a couple of cheap spots. Jackie Bradley, Brock Holt, they can be two cheap spots to kind of get Ben Attendee with. And maybe a, a definitely, listen, his dude Devers, you know, he kind of skipped over it. I think he's the first bat I want in a lineup out of all these early slate. He's going to hit my lock button. So 
If I start with Max Endeavors, I'm definitely going to need value. So you're going to have to pick and choose some value. And then maybe we look at Cleveland, like John said. Even though this Scalfani has been good, it's a hitter's park. The numbers stay go with some Cleveland bats. So I think that's where you're, you're going this early slate um, as a recap. And then we got to make a decision of maybe getting some Pittsburgh bats, like a guy like Corey Dickerson or Josh Bell, or maybe a cheap bat like Colin Moran, Melky Cabrera. You know, there's a couple of cheap bats there. So that rounds out the early slate. Let's get into the late slate. We got Noah Syndergaard versus Arietta in New York. They dropped Syndergaard's price. They did dropped it for a reason. They dropped it because he's not pitching that well or up to his capabilities. So he's coming in really cheap for this main slate. He, they're, they're tempting you to pitch him. Um, Philly hasn't been that great. You know, DeGrom went out there, and the Mets blew another win for him. You know, they, they try to do it any way possible for him. And they, they used a challenge early in the game and didn't have a challenge late in the game, which would have prevented that run from scoring. But that's yeah, the Mets for you. That's a shame, by the way. Um, Jose Cole should be automatic, like touchdowns, man. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, coaching should not be, you know, challenging a play at second base with, like, the eighth or ninth hitter up in the second inning when they had a real play at the end to, yeah, and to go after. Yeah, and with the camera technology that we have, it's really it's, – it's a total fail by them. Really, an, you know, an execution fail by the Mets there. Yeah, their management from top to bottom is just terrible. But Syndergaard is an interesting take here at 8,500. There's, there's a lot of good pitching on this late slate from my eyes. So – in this spot here, I'm not going to attack the bats. I think they're both good enough pitchers to stay away. If I was to lean on one side, I think the stats will back up the Mets um, more in Philadelphia here. So I think you can pitch in the garden. I think you can grab some of these lefty bats from the Mets. Um, Mark, how are we looking at weather? Because I'm in New York, and it looks like it's going to rain all day. Is this going to be a big problem spot here? Um, not all day rain, but yeah, just much like Pittsburgh and Washington, a slow moving cool front is coming in from the Northwest and it's going to spark showers and thunderstorms. So would not be shocked at a delay would be mildly surprised that opponent, uh, postponement. They're so rare in the summer though. We did see one uh, a couple days ago in Chicago that caught me off guard, but in general, I like to think in the summer months of June, July, and August, the games will play but there's always a, po- a delay risk, and that looks to be the case today. Okay. John, which side of the bats do you like here? Is it the Mets? Um, it's, yeah, it's a little muddy for me. I, I don't know if I'd be going after either. Um, you know, Syndergaard hasn't been great at home. He's been much better of late. But, the you know, the, the, the Cubs are, are starting to hit on the road. And Not the that Cubs. Philly, Philly, Philly. You know, that was something I was attacking early on this season. John. And now they've really started to pick it up. Yeah, the, you, you meant to say the Phillies, right? Not the Cubs, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I got the wrong page up. I'm it's okay. It's don't worry, man. Don't worry. I just wanted to cut you off before you went too far. How nice. It's the same. That wrong read. But it's the same idea. The Phillies were so bad away and so bad versus right-handed pitching that, you know, it was a pure attack for – like basically the entire season so far, and man, we were getting great odds because people see the names, you see Harper and all those all those guys, and now you know that was another team that almost like the Indians. You know, the Indians were in the toilet, and now they've kind of turned it on, and people are sour because they got burned. But the stats are starting to back those initial preconceptions. Now I believe the Phillies are in the same exact boat. Last two hundred plate appearances, this is on the road. Against right-handed pitching, so that's their weakest splits across the board to date. 
But when we take the magnifying glass out and look at 200 plate appearances, which I find is a very good sample, you know, it's enough to get an idea of maybe a trend change or regression, and the numbers are super strong. It's another 800 OPS, 340, uh, plus 340 WOBA, over 110 WRC+. Plus. They're, starting, they're starting to get it done. They're starting to show a lot of patience is what we expected. Yeah, so I think what... walking 12% of the time on the road. That's what everybody was waiting for. They were getting aggressive, and I think that might be tied and correlated to those big contracts. You know, you get the big contract, and you want to come out with the new uni. He, Bryce Harper's got the baby blues on. He's trying to look like a killer, and you start to chase. Now the Phillies are starting to show some patience. Syndergaard's been a little wild. That might make for a bad match for the Mets today. So it almost reminds me of the Yankees and Rays where it's, a little murky. There's quality pitching, but there's quality hitting plus division rivalries. Man, I don't think I want any piece of this. Yeah, I think I it's a, I think it's a stay away spot. I agree, and I think I think the addition of Kingery in his lineup and Jay Bruce has kind of you know made the stats kind of go more in Philly's favor as of late. I don't think it's Harper because Harper is still a bum in my eyes. <laughs> He's not really doing much, but you know I, I'm gonna. I have to really dive in here because there, FanDuel is tempting you to take Syndergaard at 8,500. He's coming in as a favorite, but it's hot and humid in New York, and the weather might push me away. And I think there's a better matchup that we're going to get into in, a, in one of the late games that I like for value more than Syndergaard. So I'm probably going to stay away, but I don't think it's a bad spot. I just don't think it's a great spot. The next spot we got to go to, which is a tough little game to peg. Again, we have two good pitchers. you got Garrett Cole versus Heaney. Um, Cole is Garrett Cole. You know what you're getting here. You're getting... You know, an explosive arm, a lot of K potential, but these Angels got to Verlander last night. I was off Verlander just due to price, and I think due to price, again, I'm not paying 11-5 to attack these Angels' bats. Um, it's just not something I'm going to do, especially in Houston. And, you know, Heaney is a guy that can be attacked. Um, he's he's wishy-washy. He has an explosive arm, but just doesn't last too long in games. And even in a game, he'll strike out eight guys and let up five earned runs, you know strike out 10 guys, let up five earned runs. So you still, you know, they can still get to him because he walks a lot of people. You know, two of his last three starts, he walked four people. Before that, three, two. So he's wild. He doesn't pitch late in games, so I can't pitch him at all. And he's a tough guy to attack. And I think with one-offs, maybe a guy like Bregman or Gary Yell has been on fire, uh, hit another home run, and now he's hit with some power. Um, you still got Altuve priced down. There's guys to grab here. They, they price down a lot of these Houston bats because they're coming off a little bit of a, I don't even know, it's not even a cold streak, but they don't like to price these guys right. Outside of Bregman and Springer and Alvarez, a lot of these bats are cheap. So I think if you want to go with a Guriel at 3,400, a Torino's at 3,100, Altuve at 3,700, I think he needs attackable here. They'll be under-owned. And getting a guy like Altuve at 3,700 at home sounds nice to me. Um, I just don't know if I can pay up for the top guys. Um, but there's no real top-end pitching, so I think Houston stack is in play. Uh, There's no weather to concern about. John, what do you feel about Heaney? Can we attack him here with some Houston bats? 100%. Um, I think the shine is completely off him. Um, there's not really a strong split. Yeah, he came out and had a, had a good start or two, and then that's it. It's been toilet time since. 5-3 at home, 5-5 five, five on the road. He's getting it hard. The slugging is up. And, man, the Astros kill 
left-handed pitching. You want to talk about crazy? 900 plate appearances. The last 900 plate appearances against left-handed pitching. 874 OPS, 228 ISO, 366 Woba, 135 WRC+. They are kill, absolutely killing left-handed pitching. You have to put that into perspective. That is like having an MVP caliber player at every single spot in the lineup because it's an on average against left-handed pitching. Give me uh, those offensive stats versus a guy putting up a, a, a very solid five and a half ERA, you know, with weak uh, peripherals. The, the FIP is is five three nine. It just everything's bad. It's high whip. It's it's he's he's not good. You know, he's walking way too many guys. Over eleven percent walks on the road. Like you said, he, and, and that goes to what you were saying about the distance. He throws too many pitches because he's going to be scared. Houston all day. Houston all day. I'm not crazy about Cole, although he's been he's been fantastic of, of late. He, he really has. I think it's maybe since June 1st I was looking that, man, he's been the guy that you thought, yeah, since June 1st, 38 innings, sub-2 ERA, sub-275 wall ball out. I mean, this guy is mowing him down, 49 strikeouts, 38 innings. So, yeah, I just, I just think it's a tougher matchup uh, no, for him. No, you can't go after the Angels, yeah. man. That's yeah, another one of those things. You them, don't want so. any part of the Angels' offense. Fade Cole, play those Astros bats. I agree, I agree. So now, um, Mark, we're going into a game in Chicago. Um, one of your favorite pitchers that you've been targeting a lot, you know, making some money with is Lucas Giolito. I don't think he's playable here. You know, Fando dropped his price down, you know, to 9-6. He's coming off a couple of tough matchups. But he can go out there any day of the week and, and put up a good game. Yeah. I think it's a stay-away spot. Um, I'm not going to target him here. Same thing with Lester. Lester is cheap at 7,900, but if I'm going to take a risk on a pitcher, I want a little bit more upside than Lester. And I think you might be able to grab some bats from both sides. It won't be the smash spot like Houston will be or a couple other games. But, you know, I would, I would lean towards the hitters here. What do you think about Giolito? Do we have weather concerns in Chicago as well? And do we attack Lester with maybe guys like a Brayu or some of these White Sox bats? Well, weather's perfect, so we can just skip over that. Actually, low humidity. It's almost like a, a May or a September day. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. Giolito's been really good. Um, but I brought up Scott to Scott um, last weekend that his five-game stretch where he was unbelievable, it was against the Indians when they were scuffling. It was against Toronto. It was against Houston when they had Springer and Altuve and all those injuries, and basically their lineup was Triple uh, A, you know. And then he had some starts against the Yankees and Red Sox, and all of a sudden, not surprisingly, he wasn't the Cy Young Award winner. Still solid, but he wasn't giving you the 50, 60, or even 70 FanDuel points that he did earlier. I'm gonna go to John here. I think they, uh, I like the Chicago bats. Lester is not really that good. His advanced statistics say he isn't. And I think we can target some righties from the White Sox. James McCann, Jimenez, uh, Jose Abreu, people like that from the right-hand side can really do some damage to Lester, I think. What do yeah, the numbers I think, say, John? I uh, think it's a hitter's park, too. So I think yep, you attack yep. the splits. But, John, tell us about the splits. Okay, here. I think um, these guys are two heavy splits guys. Before we started, I hadn't gotten to the 715, so I'm just getting a quick okay. glance at it now in some numbers in the program. And Mark, you are the king of context because that's what it's all about. People yeah. see surface stats, and they chase, and they chase, and they chase, and then scratch their head why. And you do an excellent job of, of pulling the thread, you know, and that's super important. Lester, man, 
I, if I didn't look at the name at the top of the screen, I would think it was CeCe. Maybe it's something about like a crafty left-hander, veteran exactly. type of guy. We're talking a 2-4-2 ERA at home, 5-6-7 on the road, 350, 350, wobble out, 500 slug. I mean, you know, he's getting he's getting killed away. He's been te- he has been terrible away. The FIP is over five. The XFIP is over four and a half. The WHIP is over one and four. And let's let's take a look at these White Sox. Man, if you're playing the late slate, I think this is where the value is because the White Sox kind of get a bad reputation for not really hitting. They are hot and cold. They mash left-handed pitching. Last 234 plate appearances, all-star across the board. 313, 368, 523. That's a 900 OPS, 210 ISO, 374 Wobo, 139 WRC+. That is Christian Yellick. That is Cody Bellinger. You know, that is not something to just scoff at. And that's on average. So they are a lefty mashing team at home. You have to attack Lester today. For me, you have to fade Lester pitching. I'm not crazy about Giolito. I don't think I want any part of this game other than the White Sox bats. And if they're underdogs, I haven't really looked. You might want a piece of that plus one and a half if they're getting it. Yeah, the White Sox are getting plus one and a half run on the road. I think that's a play for sure as well. Yeah, the White Sox, you know, this team's just faced off before. Lester had a, a better game at home. The game's now in, you know, Chicago White Sox stadium. So, yeah, so he, he's coming off a start where he lasted five and two-thirds, gave up seven hits, one walk, six strikeouts, three earned runs. So on a road, we're going to inflate that a little bit. White Sox, you know, stadium is more of a hitter's park than, you know, Wrigley Field is. So I, I think, you know, everybody has this right. Guys like Abreu, Jimenez, um, swinging pretty – Hot bat. Oh, definitely. Mon- Moncada's always in play. Um, guys like Rondon, 2,400. You got some cheap bats to sprinkle in. Lyric Garcia cheap. You know, so you got you to gotta mix and match, try to find some value. And I think if you take a one-off like a Schwarber or a Rizzo, if you can find, you know, the money to get those guys, they're definitely in play. James McCann, you know, at 3,300 makes some sense. So, you know, pretty interesting. Did you guys happen to see – um, Wilson Contreras the other day play right field. Anybody see that? I was at that game, Jason. Oh, nice. I was at that game. Yeah, that was pretty impressive, man. It was even yeah, more impressive he... for me that everybody's like a little kid. Like Rizzo was hyped up, Baez was hyped up. They're all hyped up for him because he gunned somebody out from right yeah, field. Yeah, but the right. problem was is he cost <laughs> them the game in the ninth. And just yeah, and I saw that play. <laughs> but yeah, so he went to... from the the hero to the goat in a matter mm-hmm. of an inning. So yeah. So that was pretty Just on, fun. On the last thing on the on the dual Chicago game, uh, you know, I, I was splitting down to the to the players. Uh, so again, you know, it's really going to depend on the lineup, as of course managers shift to get left-handed mashing in. So you know, I know. Man, if they get Lurie Garcia, that's a guy who's just been killing left-handed pitching. But you're probably going to get. Well, you're probably going to get cheap. And, again, I don't know what the lineup's going to look like. If you see Yomer Sanchez or Zach Collins, even Jose Rondon, those are all guys just killing left-handed pitching recently, especially at home. So I think there's a, a lot of value to be had depending on the lineup for the White Sox today. You know, there's uh, there's some cash to be made on this game, I think. Yeah, I'm not, usually, I'm not usually a fan of these these bottom, bottom end of the lineup uh, stacks. I know they can do well. But if there was a game to grab one from, you're probably going to get Sanchez, Rondon, Cordell, or one of their their cheap outfielders. And those three guys are all going to be under 2.5 on FanDuel. It so looks so like can I ask you, Jay, 
if and it's fine because it's really subjective, and and I know you have reason behind it. Um, so if you don't like a weak stack, and I think today's a perfect example, we kind of have an expensive pitcher, uh, and some of the lineups we like are on the more expensive end. If you don't want a weak late stack, where would you go then? Would you just try and cherry pick uh, values at, at those open positions? I'm not trying to make it sound wrong. It's right or wrong. It's just different. Yeah, no, I'm saying like it all depends. You know, it, it depends. You know, there's a couple other factors I take in. You know, if they're an AL lineup, I don't mind the bottom as much. Um, if they're on the road, I don't mind it as much. If they're at home, you might talk about a less, you know, one less plate appearance, which could make a difference. Um, of course, yeah, you know, that's, that's well, the no, big thing here. Absolutely. But in this case, you know, if I'm if I'm doing a, you know, a White Sox stack here, and I, it depends on the pitching either. I don't think I'm going after Cole. So I don't think I need value on this late slate. In the early slate, I think you're gonna need some value with Max Scherzer. But the fact that all these three guys are cheap paired together, that definitely makes it a little bit stronger for me. So you can get Eloy, which would just be the only expensive guy, and then grabbing a guy like Sanchez Rondon, or you can do like an eight nine one stack. So I don't mind it, but obviously it's always preferable to go go that way. I would just try, you know, in most cases I would try to grab, you know, another cheap stack. That maybe is more top of the lineup, you know, heavy, yeah. you know, like. All right, just one more quick note, and because these, you know, bullpens, what they are right now, the Cubs bullpen is sporting a nine ERA, you know, over the past week or so. It's pretty bad out there, so that's yeah, also something to consider. Teams that are consider and also, Mark, you can you can speak on this. Does it look like there's a wind blowing out in in White Sox Stadium? Like it looks like from what I'm seeing. 10 to 15 miles an hour blowing out to right. Is that true, or do you need a couple seconds to pull that up? No, I, I saw something like that. It's not really that strong, but it's a small factor. I was going to bring up that Sanchez left the game, his last game, which was on the fourth, because he got his hand stepped on by the first baseman, and the White Sox announcers were thinking that he had three to six stitches have to be put in and some swelling. So just make sure that he's in the lineup. All right, so now we had a game in San Fran. This this series has been confusing as all hell for me. Um, first game, the Giants lit them up. Second game, it's been more of an offensive matchup. Cardinals have been kind of weak, and then they go into uh, a pitcher's park, and they, they hit Pomerantz around last night. So it's a tough game to, to predict for me, but Bumgarner is an interesting play here. I know it's not... The, the lineup's going to be full righty, so it's not like a, a great matchup, but it is a pitcher's park, and it is the Cardinals have been swinging cold bats. I don't know if I can pay up 9800 on Fandle for him. I think if I'm going to go that high, I'll probably, you know, try to get Cole instead, but there's another guy I'm not going to ruin the surprise. I think he's in the best spot of the night. Um, but Bumgarner, interesting play. Mikolas is cheap, um, but San Fran's been hitting better. I think for me, I'm not going to speak much of this because this game is not exciting me at all. I could be, you know, missing something here, but I don't really want to pay up 9-8 for Bumgarner. I don't really want to pitch Michaelis on the road, you know, versus the Giants have been heating up a little bit. So for me, it's a stay away spot. If one of you guys want to speak on it, I, I'm I'm fading this game. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I don't I don't see anything that excites me. Here. I mean, I, I think the, a couple numbers that jump out are uh, the the miles of Mikola splits are, are atrocious. You know, he's sub 2-5 at home. He's over seven and a quarter on the road. So he's somebody that 
it's it's definitely worth looking at. And you know the, the the Giants are actually hitting, which I don't think anybody thought we'd be saying almost at any point this year. You know, the last seven days, everything is above average, looking really good. Uh, hard hit rate over forty percent. The fly ball rate's over forty percent. Also, there's that forty forty. Um, Bumgarner's kind of. You know, he's good. He's like a, a little bit above average. But then again, the Cardinals, who had been in the toilet, they are starting to heat up and they're hitting left-handed pitching. The numbers are, are breaking all the programs. So even if I like Bumgarner, I think the St. Louis offense would shake me off it. They haven't done it for long enough for me to be confident. Neither has Bumgarner. So for me, you cross all those stats and it's a fade. Yeah, it's a fade. The guy like I really find interesting... As a one-off, low-owned guy, if you want to take a shot on someone and be a little bit sneaky, is this dude Alex Dickerson. The guys come on the team, basically spark them. He's the guy who's changed their team right now as far as energy goes, and the guy's mashing. So, you know, as a one-off, I don't mind Dickerson. There's some cheap bats here um, with Brandon Belt, only 3-3. Got Yashemsky, 2.8. Um, then you got guys like Dickerson at three, Crawford at two point three, Panic at two point seven. So if you, you want to get a cheap stack and be different and attack the splits of Michaelis and the road splits, I think these Giants could be sneaky. Um, that's the only thing I would do here. Maybe a sneaky, you know, late hammer from the Giants could be you know something good to pair up from a cheap stack perspective. What about um, Belt leading off? You know, he's been cheap at the leadoff spot, which has been very productive for me the last couple of days. Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, to go back to your point that you brought up earlier, um, this is a cheap stack, you know. And especially, you want to get your cheap guys, usually, typically for me, on most slates, from your second base or your shortstop position. And you can get that here with, like, a Crawford panic. You have the splits in your favor. They're both cheap. Point. And then you can, you can pair them up with a cheap belt and a cheap Alex Dickerson, um, or maybe even, you know, Dickerson and Yashemsky, even cheaper. So that's the way I kind of look at this game. Not so sexy, but if you made me pick one, I would go with a giant stack over either the pitching and definitely over the Cardinal stack here. The guy that I've been hinting to um, all day, you know, in this podcast for this late slate is Robbie Ray. Uh, 9.3. Colorado does not hit the same outside of, um, Coors Field. He's coming off a bad start, but he has a K potential. So he can go out there on any given slate and drop you 40, 50 points. And that's what you really want. He's faced Colorado twice. Both times he faced him, uh, to my knowledge, was in Colorado. And he had one kind of rough start where he only got 20 points. And then he also got 41 against them, you know, in Colorado. So I think he has the highest upside on the slate. Um, Colorado doesn't scare me much, you know, on the road. So I think Robbie Ray goes out there and pitches a good game. I think he has a higher ceiling um, than Syndergaard and, and Bumgarner and everybody else on the slate outside of Garrett Cole. And you get a $2,200 discount on Ray versus Cole. Um, so what do you what do you guys think? You know, we have no weather to concern with. John, what do the stats say on Ray? Can he go in there and pitch a good game at home against Colorado? Yeah, I think, I think all the splits here are definitely in – your favor, if you're looking at the Diamondbacks, you know, Colorado is a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Right sure. They don't hit away from home, and, and they don't hit lefties. The numbers away versus lefties on the season 
are downright pathetic. Again, this is a backup catcher, you know, 170 ISO, 650 OPS, 71 WRC plus, 283 Woba. It's terrible. 35% hard hit rate. They're striking out 31% of the time versus left-handed pitching on the road. You can't do that. And you're only walking 6% of the time. So if you're looking at Ray with high K potential and the Rockies who are whiffing against lefties at an incredible rate, that's a definite match for a, a DFS pitching play for sure. Yeah, I uh, think Ray, on the other hand, is a bit of an anomaly. You don't expect to see a full point lower ERA away from cores. I mean, it's higher away from cores, what I should say. He's better at home, which is a total anomaly, probably something that will regress. So I'm just never been a great fan. He's been much better over the last month. 2.65 ERA, very, very strong. I think what you do here. The Diamondbacks do hit. You know, they do hit. A lot of young guys starting to come on. I, I I think the only part of this game I want a piece of is Robbie Wright. Yeah, I think so, too. I think what you can do is if you go heavy Robbie Ray for whatever reason, um, I think a good idea is have one head stack in there. And, you know, they do they, – they've gotten to Ray before. Um, I forgot to mention one of his starts recently has been against Colorado at home, and he dropped 40 against them um, three starts ago. So he had nine Ks, let up three earned runs. Um, you got the quality start. So I think Ray's in play, but – if you want to go with one head stack, if you end up going heavy Ray and you've got like 70, 80% shares of Ray in your lineup, go out there and grab Story, Arenado, Desmond, and Blackman, and they'll all be extremely low-owned uh, because of Ray's name potential. And if they go out there and mash them, that one lineup will probably make up for all your losses in the other lineup. So I think that's the way I would look at it here. Uh, so definitely anytime, like you, I don't like pitching Ray. The guy scares the shit out of me. He's kind of like Corbin. He's kind of like Rich Hill. Um, where he either burns me when I play him and he kind of, you know, when I don't play him, he goes out there and has a, a stubbly game. So what I would do is load up on Ray and then have one Colorado head stack just in case he does what I say. Um, last game of the slate. Actually, no, we have two games left. We got Chris Bassett versus Marco Gonzalez, two cheap pitchers in a pitcher's park. Um, I kind of loaded up on Oakland bats yesterday thinking Kikuchi's going to get lit up. And, you know, they got to him, but they didn't really get to him um, from a DFS perspective. You got two, I would consider them better pitchers, you know, today with Bassett and Gonzalez. So I'm going to temper my expectations, but you never know. Um, Oakland can come out there and, and mash Gonzalez, but he's been pretty good. So for me, it's a stay away spot. They couldn't get to Kikuchi, who had terrible splits, terrible numbers, and everything said stack against him. You know, Gonzalez has been better. So do I take that recency bias, John, or or Mark? And do we load up against Gonzalez again, or we just fade this game in a pitcher's park? Hmm, that's a good question. I wish I had a solid answer for you, but like you said, A's were in a smash spot last night, and they didn't come through. That does not mean that they can't do tonight. Um, how about Bassett, though, on the other side? He's fairly cheap. He had a really nice run, and he's coming off a good start. You sort of got to like him. But let's get back to the A's bats. What do you think about the A's bats, John? You may not have run this game through the outlet. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking You know, I'm, I'm looking at it now, and they're, they're – I don't know if it's something about home versus lefties, but normally teams that hit lefties hit them across the board. So for me, it's a red flag when they only hit them at home and not away. And the A's away versus lefties have been very poor. 
And when you look, I mean, it's very poor. 60 WRC plus. It's awful. 179 batting average, 25% K rate, just really, really bad. Really nothing, really nothing that you like there. And Gonzalez is another one of those anomalies. He's been so bad at home. You know, that's another big red flag. I mean, guys with six R six ERAs at home, that's just atrocious. And if you look at his month by month, he put up a two-eight ERA uh, through April, and then since then it's been closer to six. So I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm off these guys. I, I, I don't really like them. I, I, I don't know. I think I have to fade here. You know, Seattle does a lot better against lefties than they do righties. So for me, this is a lot of ugliness plus the division. This could just be a slop fest, and I don't think I want anything to do with it. Yeah, I think, you know, Mark makes an interesting point. If you want to take a shot at a value play, I think Bassett comes in cheap enough where – I would definitely take Bassett over Lester. I would take Bassett over Mikolas. Uh, I'm not even oh, considering. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even considering Marco Gonzalez. So if you want to make like a, a powerhouse lineup and you want to stack maybe the Astros with another expensive team here, I think Bassett is a guy you can take a chance on. Um, if it's not Bassett, it might be the guy in this last game, Maeda. Um, another guy that I haven't pitched much because all last year he had a he had a short hook. Um, he'd only last five innings, six innings, and he's getting a little bit bigger of a leash. Um, he should go out there and get you, you know, 30 points, 25, 30 points. His ceiling is, is, is 40. You know, he had a couple good games. His one really good game of the year was earlier in the season. And somehow, some way he went into the same matchup at home versus San Diego and he got 12 K's and six and two thirds and he dropped 66 points. Um, I think that was kind of an anomaly. But at this price tag, you know, these value guys have been hitting a lot this year. Um, I think it has to do with the fact with how many guys are caying. Um, so sometimes they go out there and is they have their stuff and, you know, teams don't figure it out. So I think at 6700 he's your best value play of the slate just because due to his price. And San Diego, you know, they're, they're more righty heavy and it's a pitcher's park. So I think Ada comes in as the best overall value of the slate. He won't have the key potential on the upside that Robbie Ray does or Cole or Syndergaard does. But my best value of the day, I'm going to I'm gonna force the hand here and go with Maeda. Um, the Dodgers keep on winning games, so he's going to come in as a favorite. Um, not the heaviest of favorites, but at 6.7 on FanDuel, I think you can take the shot here and stack up these Astros with Maeda and you know grab pretty much any bat you want. Um, you can get the top half of Houston with you can mix and match, like I said, anybody you want when you have a pitcher at 6.7. Paddock, on the other hand, you know, I think he's too priced up. You'll want to face these these Dodgers. I'm just – I stay away from them. The, the couple times a year that I'm going to get burned attacking the Dodgers, you know, I'll let other people win money on that day. But I'm not going to go attack these Dodgers with a righty any day of the week. I don't care home, way, wherever they are. I'm not doing it. Unless it's somebody like Max Scherzer, I'm not attacking these Dodgers. There's better spots on the board. But – um, if you guys want to talk about my Ada and my crazy, but I think at 6,700, he's worth the value. He gets me 30 points, and uh, I'm smooth sailing. I don't know about the Dodgers. You know, Paddock is good enough that I don't really want to attack the Dodgers, but Bellinger can hit anybody. Muncy can hit anybody, and they can get to this, you know, young guy early. They get this bullpen, and they can have an explosive night. Um, so what do you guys think about Paddock, my Ada matchup here? Well, I'll begin, and then I'll throw it to John. Um, 
it's almost like FanDuel, like I we I've talked to you before, Jason, is I like to play the all day. So there if people are playing the all day where you can only fit in one pitcher, they're almost daring you to use someone other than Scherzer because the pricing does seem really soft. For a guy with a good ceiling, like you said, forty six point seven seems way too low. Like Bassett, too low. Ray, too low. It's almost like they know that everyone's going to go to Scherzer and just forget about it. So they're kind of catering to the other guys. Now I'll throw it to you, John. Paddock, very good at home, not so good on the road. Did the numbers back that up? Well, I think, yeah, I think Jay's is, is on to something here. I think if you're looking for a value play or uh, I, I'm particular to DraftKings because I like the added variable of the second pitcher I think right. you know where some people default to a single pitcher like Max I think the skill comes in in picking the second guy right so um if we were talking sp2s man Bassett's a great sp2 and I actually like that Max and Min combination and it kind of averages down the cost of a Max you know so that that's a nice strategy Maeda is a heavy home guy I mean he is a much better pitcher at home he is fantastic at home and if you were just looking at these stats blind, it could easily be Max Scherzer. 2.36 ERA, sub 300 slugging, 166 batting average against, 2.14 team Woba against. I mean, it's unbelievable. A 2.83 FIP and a 3.19 XFIP. Those numbers are incredibly hard to achieve. He is no joke on the road. Distance is a problem. But like Jay said, you know, strikeouts are, are a big deal, and you kind of get them with San Diego. Uh, as far as the San Diego offense goes, I'm big on trending. They had a little spot where they were starting to show, and Tatis came back, and they were starting to rake. Now, pff, that shine kind of came off. I like to look at last 30, last 14, last 7. Just as a glimpse, it's a steady downward trend from 331 to 328, which is like a, you know, just a negligible change down. And then, boom, now we're below 300, the last 7. They don't look good. They're not hitting right-handed pitching. All of the numbers are below average. The strikeouts are, are up at 26%. The walks walking is way down at only 5%. So that's another great cross match. We have a high K guy going against a team that strikes out a lot. They don't hit righties. They don't hit on the road. So it's, it's a good matchup for Maeda. I'm with Jay. I wouldn't touch the Dodgers bats. You just don't want to mess with Paddock. The guy's very good. You know, yeah, he's better at home, but he's still very, very, very good any way you go, and even if he only gives you five, he's going to give you a strong five. The Padre bullpen is not bad. So I'd be fading those Dodger bats, uh, fading Paddock, because why throw a pitcher into the Lions then? But I think Maeda is an excellent value candidate and a definite candidate for SP2 in DraftKings. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm thinking I'm pretty much sold, you know, on his late slate. Um, I'm, I'm kind of crafting a lineup right now just for the listeners who are listening and we got some good win daily listeners who are listening to podcasts every day, and I'm appreciative. So I'm going to give back right here. I'm just messing around in the lineup right now on FanDuel, and I love John's points. I play on both sites. Um, but on FanDuel, on this late slate, the 7 o'clock games, check out this lineup so far, and you tell me what you guys think. Um, Maeda, who we talked about, Jose Abreu at first base, Altuve at second, Guriel at third, Bregman at shortstop, Springer in the outfield, Eloy Jimenez in the outfield, James McCann in your utility spot. And all you got to do is find a one-off at 2,500 in the outfield, which we can definitely find. But that gives you every single guy with a platoon split versus Heaney. You have the top of this 
you know, Astros lineup, which is the best four hitters, I think, from the right-hand side that they have, Altuve, Gariel, Bregman, and Springer. Yep. And then you have a maybe a lower-owned stack here with Abreu, Jimenez, and McCann, who all have the platoon splits with power against Lester. And the last spot, like I said, 2,500. There's a lot of spots in the outfield that you can find at 2,500 for value. And you have a solid two-stack against two pitchers that we wanted to target, and you don't got to deal with the heavy exposure to Ray or Syndergaard or Garrett Cole. If Mieta goes out there and gets you, let's say he gets you 35, 40 points, you only need one spot, you know, and the Astros go out there and do what they're supposed to do, and our low-owned stack goes out there and does what they're supposed to do, you're pretty much set. You just need to find one guy. And I think that these these White Sox will throw in one cheap outfielder, like a Ryan Cordell, which will fit. He's You'll have $5 left over, but he'll fit. You know, there's other guys who will fit um, yeah, that, into these stacks. So Tyler I think that's a great way to do it. How do you guys like that lineup? Yeah, I, I was putting that into it as I work. And Tyler O'Neill fits in that if you like the – lefty on righty matchup with some power with O'Neal. Uh, yeah, that sounds really good. I, I, I don't have a, any flaw with that at all. Yeah. So, um, guys, we finish up the, you know, the podcast for the day. John, I, I would love to have you on here more often. And Thanks you guys need to follow, fun, like, yeah, you guys need okay. to follow this guy on Twitter, follow him on the site. A lot of his articles are premium articles. A lot of Mark's articles are premium you know, weather reports, he worked, they work so hard. Like John, he doesn't just go out there and pick, you know, um, the top guys of the slate. He's talking about deep, deep numbers. Some of them that I don't even follow along. Sometimes he's rambling off all these crazy numbers because he's you know, <laughs> so into the stats, but he puts in, into an article, he puts in two hours, three hours of work. And the amount of time he put into this algorithm that he built out, it's, it's, you're paying nineteen ninety nine a month for somebody who've done maybe 500 to 1,000 hours of work just to put one article together every single day for you guys. And he's winning at a highest win rate that I've seen out of a sports better in a long time. Man, and you can apply these principles to DFS. And what Mark's doing from a weather perspective, you know how stressful it is to try to figure out the weather? I can't even figure out the weather for me and my daughter on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon when, I, when I'm standing outside. He's trying to predict weather patterns from every single different state Every single different matchup, things changed by the minute. He's got to develop park factors into it, how weather crews are doing. And he gives you, you know, knowledgeable numbers to, to make some predictions to, you know, not do that job for you. You know, so for $19.99 a month, what you're getting from these two guys alone, forget about what you're getting from me and Wes and our projection models. And, you know, the four different projection models that we have on there are our cheat sheet that me and Wes put out there every single day that gives you your top play, your value play, and your pump play at every position. And then we talk about the Slack channel. The Slack channel, John's in there now. I'm in there every day. Mark's in there every day. We're going over lineups. So when some you know new user comes in, he, he throws in a lineup with you know uh, all these guys that we don't really like, we tell him, hey, dude, you know what? Maeda's the best value play on a slate. You might as well pitch him over pitching a guy like Jake Arrieta. And people do ask these questions. Like, and there's some obviously obvious spots that we can we can get you off of. And just last night, Mark, you know, I got a text from Mark in the morning. Another guy went out there and he won. You can tell he's a you know not the highest ranked player because he's not in the high stakes free roll that you know FanDuel rewards. He's in the, one of the lower ones. And he shot us a tweet, you know, late last night or early this morning that he won first place in the free roll thanks to Mark and thanks to Win Daily. 
and thanks to the research we we've done. So, guys, nineteen ninety nine a month. You're, you're not gonna you're not gonna lose based on the education alone. You'll become a winner. And you know, read the articles, get better, learn how to fish for yourself instead of just you know hoping that somebody gives you a lineup one day and it hits. You know, start learning because there's more to it than just you know picking your favorite players or picking the best guys out there. So. John, I really appreciate you, you know, being on board. Oh, thank you, you know, for having me on the podcast. So, so, any last remarks, you guys? Yeah, I gotta say, John, the information he gives is really eye-opening. Like Jason, me and you know baseball, but John knows statistics. So, like we were saying, well, Cleveland's burned us a million times. John's like, no, they're starting to hit. I think that's the key. Don't always play DFS with your with your gut, but use some like backed up statistics. And I think that's what John can really provide for us. Uh, Thanks man. Who, who would, <laughs> you know what? Who, I think, I think yeah. to that point, it's, it's to go beyond the surface stats, you know, because those year to date stats, man, they are extremely dangerous and not to drag on. Cause I know we're rapping, but um, I like to use the blue Jays. as One of my favorite examples, it was a total trash can to start. They're bringing up 21, 22-year-old kids now. You, the stats from March are absolutely meaningless. You know, you bring up a Vlad and, and Biggio, and and these guys are, are changing the face of the franchise. And now it's Guriel and Hernandez. It's not the lineup from April 1st. So although I do weigh year-to-date stats in all of my formulas, because you never want to ignore the possibility for progression or regression back to means – Recency is important. Momentum is important. Splits are important. So I do focus on that in my work, and I really appreciate the nice stuff, man. I'm, I'm blushing back here. <laughs> All right, guys. So we we this is our longest podcast ever. This three-way lasted like an hour and a half. So <laughs> I know you guys want to go out there and make your lineup. So check out WindDailyDFS.com, the cheat sheet, the tools. Uh, we'll be updating new articles. Mark has a lot of weather reports to do because – I know in the New York and the East Coast, it's going to be raining. So yeah. be aware of all that. Guys, let's have a profitable Saturday, and uh, let's turn this into a profit center. And I'll be on John's bets going forward because the guys are making a lot of money. So thank you, guys, and we're out.